0: Decades of behavioral science show it's easy for humans to fall into mindless routines without realizing it. All the emotional shopping, mindless social media scrolling and wine drinking you've done this year? Technically, not your fault. Or at least, not all your fault. It turns out, many of our daily activities happen on autopilot, triggered by the environment, and without much conscious thought or effort at all. These mental shortcuts can be helpful. But inevitably, certain habits, from smoking to binge watching, can start to take a toll on mental and physical well being. Luckily, periods of flux, like a global pandemic, can be pivotal opportunities to conquer bad habits and do things differently. Science backed strategies can help us crush bad habits and create new routines that lead to better health. Welcome to the Abstract Podcast from Inverse. I'm Tanya Bustos, your host. Our first story looks at a scientific approach to breaking bad habits. By following three key steps, people can create positive changes that stick and ultimately improve their life in ways that last years. Our second story turns one of the most popular daily rituals into a vital tool to help stave off certain diseases and live a long life. Scientists say developing one hot new bathing habit may be the key to jumpstarting your mental and physical health. This is The Abstract. A look at the latest scientific discoveries and technology innovations from the reporters at Inverse. In each episode, we explore a single theme through two different stories. Up now, how to break bad habits in three steps, according to science.
1: we are harder on others than ourselves when it comes to bad habits. Today I'm talking about some bad habits you have. I don't care whether it's eating chocolate, whether it's smoking. Whatever it is you're hooked on, from coffee to cocaine. Whether it's not training. Smoking pot to pigging out.
0: Everyone has at least one bad habit that they can't shake. It
1: turns out that we're fighting one of the most evolutionarily conserved learning processes currently known in science. I want to show you how to break this habit. You know you're what breaks bad habits? Losing money. Bad habit. Replace it with the new one. And I'm really excited about helping people change habits.
0: Habits, good, bad, or otherwise, are a learning system. One that we don't have conscious awareness or access to. They happen when we're not paying attention and they're relatively slow to form or break. Habit memory tends to last for years. So all of those unwanted habits you pick up through the years, technically, not entirely your fault. In fact, as much as 43% of our daily actions are habitual, conducted on autopilot without much conscious thought or effort at all. What we do often reflects habits, not necessarily desires or goals. Therefore, experts say that instead of changing your mind, change your environment instead. And with that comes the chance to start making new habits. A move, a new job, or even the pandemic can be major opportunities to build new habits and try something new. Here to teach us how to get that job done is Inverse's Ali Patillo. Hey Ali. Hey Tanya. So learning more about habits, if they do live in this place of autopilot, how did they get there in the first place? What's the science and process behind habits forming?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, we develop habits over a long time over a lifetime when we repeatedly do the same thing in a given context and get some reward for it. So because of that reward, we do it again, we do it again, and we do it again until it becomes automatic. And habits are kind of like shortcuts through life. I mean, if you can think about it's like you get up in the morning, you brush your teeth without much conscious thought, you might make coffee, you might go immediately to the gym after work, you're always tipping 20%. All of these habits are embedded in our day to day life. And they're very efficient and most of the time really helpful. They help us multitask. But at the same time, that efficiency is what makes habits really hard to break because they're the first thing that comes to mind even when you don't want them to. And sometimes past habits, they are not helpful in the present moment. And sometimes you do need to break a so-called bad habit.
0: Right. Obviously, that can be very difficult to do. When trying to break a bad habit, One thing I got out of this is that it's not my fault, right? And that's the idea. It's not your fault. You're on autopilot. So instead of looking to make changes within, is the idea that you should look to make changes with what's around you. Like the thinking is not to set yourself up to make these bad habits. Is that fair?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that we put a lot of pressure on ourselves that when we're not able to do something or form a new habit, it's because we're lazy or we're a bad person or we didn't think it through. You know, you think about this when people maybe try and lose weight, they try and go on diet after diet and they're not successful and they blame themselves. But all of the psychological evidence shows that it's not really about you. It's about the environment that you're in. And it is possible, to change that environment. So rethinking behavior change from this perspective, rather than having the honest always on the individual, can actually be really liberating and empowering, knowing that we can use these kind of outside forces to to tweak our behavior in a positive manner.
0: Right, and that's important to do because oftentimes willpower is just not enough. And why is that? Why is it that when we try to break these bad habits willpower is often ineffective. Yeah. So willpower
1: doesn't really work because the very act of inhibiting a desire makes the desire get bigger in our minds and sometimes even consumes us. You know, if you're like, I don't want that chocolate cake after lunch, you'll just think about it because you've already put the thought in your mind and it might consume you and it make it really, really hard to resist. So it's really all about focusing on context and the environment, realizing that we can, tweak and change those circumstances and those contexts to change our behavior. And then the other piece of this that I think makes willpower ineffective is that habits are inherently automatic. So we're not always conscious when they've been set in motion. Um, So it's really about creating environments that are going to set off a different habit, um, not the one that we are trying to change.
0: Right. So once you set yourself up in that environment, and let's say you want to even take more proactive measures how do we do that in order to form new habits what kinds of things can we do
1: yeah so i spoke with an amazing psychologist named wendy wood um, who's been studying making and breaking habits for decades she lays out three steps so the first is changing our environment which is kind of what we've talked about so say you want to change your diet or you want to spend less time on your phone it would really be about filling your pantry and your fridge with healthy food and healthy snacks or turning off your social media notifications or putting your phone on airplane mode so that you can take off some of the cues that would lead you to make that bad habit. The other step is making the behavior rewarding. So if it's something that you hate, you can do something at the same time that you love. So maybe that's watching a really bad movie or a movie that you love, but you wouldn't normally let yourself watch while you work out so that you can kind of distract yourself from the activity at hand And then the third step is repeating the new habit on a regular basis so that it becomes automatic. And there are, you know, a lot of people have different opinions of kind of the magic formula for how long it takes to form habit. The average is about 66 days, but it depends on what kind of habit you're trying to form or what kind of habit you're trying to break. If you've been doing something for 10 years or 20 years, it's going to take you longer to break it than something you've been doing for six months. But Wendy said about two months of repeating a certain activity or can help embed it into a habit. And it's important to know that if you trip up along the way, um, maybe you miss a day or miss an activity and do the old habit, that's not going to hijack your progress. Habits form slowly, but one thing is not going to kind of wipe away everything that you've built up so far.
0: Yeah, it's good information and never a better time than a pandemic to start a, <laughs> to trigger yourself into new habits. Ali Patillo, thank you so much. Thanks, Tanya. One mainstay in millions of people's daily routines? Soaking in a hot bath. But can bathing improve your health? Scientists find surprisingly positive effects.
1: Would you rather run a few strenuous miles on a treadmill or take a warm, relaxing bath? Glad you brought up hot baths. The therapeutic benefits that spa owners enjoy are vast. How much benefit can they get out of a
0: hot bath? Here's the real science of it. If you take an extremely hot bath.
1: From physical to
0: emotional stress relief. Take a long soak and voila, you're on your way to feeling better. To relief from the symptoms of arthritis.
1: Those who took a hot bath burned calories and ended up with lower peak blood sugar levels. The thermal effect directly activates immune cells. It's using heat therapy. It's a hot bath. Relax, hot dog.
0: Scientists say that in addition to relaxing us and getting us squeaky clean, baths may be a vital tool capable of staving off cardiovascular diseases like heart disease, high blood pressure and type 2 diabetes. The latest findings were presented September 2020 in the annual meeting of the European Association for the Study of Diabetes. To determine if baths make a meaningful difference diabetes-wise, researchers recruited over 1,200 patients with type 2 diabetes who regularly visited an outpatient hospital. Their findings suggest that daily heat exposure by hot tub bathing can contribute to improvements of glycema, hypertension, and obesity, and thus can be a therapeutic option for patients with type 2 diabetes. The heat stimulation could be improving insulin sensitivity and enhancing energy expenditure, which can also be observed during exercise. While the correlations between bathing and positive health outcomes are promising, they don't yet point to a cause and effect just yet. But here to talk about how heat therapy is something you can incorporate into your daily health routine is Inverse's Ali Patillo. Hey, Ali. Hey, Tanya. So um, this is very real me, I'm a bath taker. No one needs to tell me this. <laughs> and, and most people do. They use baths as a go-to source for relaxation. But there's a lot more going on. Remind us, what kinds of health benefits can we get from this exposure to heat from hot baths? Because that's really what's going on here.
1: Yeah, so this study was actually quite surprising to me because I had no idea that hot baths or hot tubs or what the scientists called heat therapy had these health benefits. And it's pretty amazing. You know, it's not just about getting clean or getting relaxed. Hot baths and bathing have actually been associated with lower risks of cardiovascular diseases like heart disease, high blood pressure, and type 2 diabetes. And in this new study, which looked at over 1,000 patients with type 2 diabetes, People who bathed more often had greater blood sugar control, lower blood pressure, and lower body mass indices. These are all metabolic risk factors when they occur at unhealthy levels.
0: Right. There's um, a lot of anecdotal evidence to this. But with this latest study, how were researchers able to determine the health impact with something a little more concrete?
1: Yeah. So this was an like observational study, So we really need to do randomized clinical trials to know exactly what the health effects are, but it does have interesting findings. And the way that they discovered these findings was they recruited a group of 1,297 patients with type two diabetes. And these patients, they documented um, how often they bathed, the temperature of the water, the duration of each session. They were divided into frequency groups. So people who bathed you know, four or more times a week, people who bathe one to four times per week, and people who bathe less than one bath per week or maybe didn't bathe at all. And at the same time, researchers took a lot of kind of health metrics. So they looked at their blood samples and medical histories, histories of heart attack and stroke. They measured their height, weight, waist circumference, body mass index, blood pressure, cholesterol levels, and blood sugar. And basically they found that across the board, people who bathed more often had lower body mass indexes, lower diastolic blood pressure, and lower glycated hemoglobin, which is a risk factor for type two diabetes. And they basically said that although you know there have been amazing medications that have contributed to better quality of life and longer lifespan of people with type two diabetes, daily habits shouldn't be ignored, and they are important um, for patients' health and longevity. So, they based on these findings, they're saying heat therapy might be promising and help people who have diabetes or obesity find another kind of relatively easy and cheap way to deal with
0: their condition. So scientifically speaking, what role is the heat playing? You know, what's going on inside our bodies exactly?
1: Yeah. So again, I think these are pretty preliminary findings. So I'm not sure that scientists know for sure, but they do think that heat stimulation improves insulin sensitivity and enhances energy expenditure. So it's making maybe even ramping up people's metabolism, which are similar effects that people see during exercise. They also know that bathing and in hot baths and in the heat increases blood circulation. It actually heats up your body temperature and affects the production of nitric oxide in the body. And those factors appear to confer the positive benefits. But of course, in this study, you know, they were just looking at who was bathing and what the health effects were. They didn't look at it from kind of a neurobiological mechanistic level. And I know that, you know, many scientists would be interested to, in finding those answers. So I'm sure those experiments will be done in the future.
0: Mm-hmm. But until we get there if someone wanted to take this out for a ride you know try this out for health benefits what kind of bath regimen can they incorporate into their routine
1: Yeah, so researchers say that bathing a few times per week or even visiting a sauna, so that could be three times per week, four times per week for at least 15 minutes at a time at about 104 degrees Fahrenheit. That's kind of the gold standard if you wanna put this into practice. But of course, all this comes with the caveat that you know, bathing is very far from a silver bullet. It could be kind of a helpful, relatively easy addition to help fight diabetes and obesity. But beyond these health benefits, it's just functional and relaxing. So there aren't really many downsides here. So if people just want to add in an
0: extra bath instead of taking their shower, um, you know, I think that the scientists would recommend that. Sounds good. Until we wait for that scientific confirmation. It doesn't hurt to get in the bath in the meantime. I'll continue to do so. Allie, thank you so much.
1: Thanks, Tanya.
0: Head to inverse.com to read more about the latest routines that can benefit your mental and physical health. You can click on the link in the show notes for all stories we talked about today. If you agree that science and facts matter more than ever... Give us a rating and review on iTunes to help more people find The Abstract and other podcasts like it. New episodes of The Abstract are released three times a week. Find old episodes and more original reporting on science, innovation, culture, and entertainment at inverse.com. Got something to say? Email us at theabstract@inverse.com with any questions, suggestions, story ideas, and anything else that's on your mind. Look for The Abstract Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever podcast app you use. For Inverse, I'm Tanya Bustos. Thanks for listening.